M&K Talk YA now presents Warcross Part 1 by Marie Lou. back to MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we started a brand new series by one of our very favorite authors. It is Warcross by Marie Lu. I'm so excited. Me too. So she wrote the Legend series, which we haven't talked about on the podcast, but we're both fans of. And the Young Elites, which we did talk about on our podcast last season. I know, and I'm so excited to be back in a Marie Lu world right now because she's one of my favorite authors for a good reason. She has amazing characters, really good settings, and it's just, there's like never a dull moment. It's so impressive because all the series are so different, like from the worlds to mm-hmm. the character, pers- like it's completely different each time, but it's always been good. She always surprises us, and I feel like... The best way I can describe it is whenever she comes out with a new book, I feel like it's Christmas morning. I cannot wait for it to come out. I have them pre-ordered months in advance, and I will stay up like all night reading (laughs) the books when they come out. So I do have to say I did read Warcross already when it came out back in the day, Um, but this is a duology, so we're going to read Wildcard after this, and I have not read that yet. So it just came out, actually. And I haven't read Warcross yet because of my weird rules about I hate waiting for a book halfway through a story. So, But I did read something that said, and I totally thought this when I was reading it, that it was sort of inspired by that one part of the world in the Legend series. Mm-hmm. Antarctica. That was sort of gamified. Yeah. Yep. Um, and at first I forgot what book I remember that from, but when I was reading, I definitely had this moment. I think when she, um, I, it must, when she, I can't remember when she was bounty hunting or when she was over in Japan or whatever, but it just reminded me of that, that world that we only got a brief picture of in Legend. But I, I read something that was like, cause this is much more closer to the future than the Legend series was. So mm-hmm. she said, this is like 10 years from now and 80 years later is like when Legend is based. So it's sort of the same world, but a different time period and and whatnot. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Well, did you notice that um, I picked up on this the first time I read it? There's a character named Asher Wing. And Daniel Day from Legend, his last name is Wing too. Oh, I forgot about that. You know, I suck at yeah. names, so I obviously didn't remember that. And they say that Asher has a brother named Daniel. And it's not, it's not Day. It's how he has like a different middle name. Mm-hmm. But I think he's related to Day from Legend, which is awesome. So it definitely is the same world. That is so cool. I, I didn't know. realize that part. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. That makes me even more excited. And I like him as a character so far. So now I like him even more. Of course. I think it was the part um, that reminded me of the Antarctica scene when she goes to Japan and she's wearing, they gave her the glasses and there's like Or the signs. contacts. The contacts, yeah. Yeah. And they have signs up 
like where you how you can earn points for doing things and I remember in legend one of them was like 10 points if you water this flower I was just like oh that sounds like such a wonderful relaxing virtual world I would just water flowers all day in Antarctica no I think you're right because I think there was actually something like that in this book too maybe it wasn't watering Mm -hmm. flowers but it was something yeah that was 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 exactly water a plant yeah that's exactly what I thought of too and I kind of forgot when I read I was just like oh that's so familiar and it took me a minute to be like what was that other book because that wasn't really what legend was about but um but yeah I thought that was really cool me too um so we should say we read up to chapter 15 of this book so if you haven't read up to chapter 15 we're gonna spoil a lot for you (laughs) I might have already done it she there's a water a plant point value (laughs) (laughs) that was a really big spoiler Katie (laughs) now you know whoops (laughs) might as well stop reading Uh, I also read that she that Marie Lou was inspired to write this book because she started out in the video game industry yeah which is also interesting because I am not much of a gamer and I'm kind of curious are do you play video games very much I used to um I actually talked to Chad a lot about this for this episode because I am not a gamer but Chad plays some games so I kind of picked his brain a little bit but the job that Marie Lou had sounded like such a fun job. She worked as an art designer for a video game industry, and she was a concept artist for like five years. So her job was basically to develop new game ideas. That is awesome. Oh, I know. And I always thought like, how fun would it be to write for video games, like come up with story ideas and storylines and plots and characters? Like, I think that would be so much fun. Well, it does explain why she's good at this, probably, because it's a lot of the same stuff. And she actually said, like, all of her series are a little bit based on or inspired by different video games. So Legend was Mm -hmm. somewhat inspired by Street Fighter, which I've never played. The Young Elites was inspired a little bit by Assassin's Creed, which I've at least heard of. Oh, that's interesting. And um, this one, what was this one, actually? I don't actually remember what video, I know it was video game inspired, but I think it was a partially based off of one of those big ones that like everyone plays that I don't that they have like big competitions that people go and watch Mm-mm-mm-mm. oh we'll have to look it up I'm not sure what it would be yeah I mean <laughs> I don't think it's Fortnite <laughs> yeah no no the only video game I was ever really obsessed with when I was younger was Spyro the Dragon that was the video game that I was completely obsessed with and I spent hours and hours playing but that was pretty much it but I heard recently that um, PlayStation is coming out with a new model that has that they're, it's rumored that Spyro is on it. So if that's the case, you might get back into it. <laughs> I will go back and play that again. That's yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. James used to be really into video games, but I almost don't want to mention it because I'm, he's already so busy. If he starts getting into video games again, it's like I'll never see him. <laughs> yeah. That's a slippery slope. <laughs> so do you want to go back and start talking about Warcross from the beginning? Yep. Okay. So we've got, how old is she? She's 18, right? Yeah, because she mentions that she would be tried as an adult if she hacked into Warcross. And then she does. (laughs) If she does. (laughs) And then she does it anyways. Yeah, so right off the bat we have this Emika Chen, who is a bounty hunter in Manhattan, which right off the bat, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually one of my, I like read up a lot about bounty hunting and bounty hunters because I thought that was a really cool backstory. 
but um, we can talk about that in a minute. But she's an orphan. Mm-hmm. Her mom left. We don't really know much about the story there. And then her dad ended up getting sick when she was 11, was it? Yeah. And then he, he had some illness that's not mentioned. And then he died in six months. He was gone. Yeah. So shocking and awful. And they seemed like they were very close. He was very artistic, but he had a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. So she was left destitute when he passed away. Right. And then she has this moment where she sees Hideo Tanaka, who is the creator of Warcross, and he created it when he was 13, and he kind of inspired her awesome. to learn how to code and how to hack, and then that sets her up to be a bounty hunter. <laughs> and then she becomes a bounty hunter. Somehow. <laughs> well, I it's think a couple the, steps in between. The bounty hunting was more... Um, a way to make ends meet but she was using this is what I thought was kind of interesting because her bounty hunting was also kind of based on this hacking so in this world mm-hmm. and even in our world already you know so much of your identity is like online and there's so much of a, a digital trail people leave so she kind of was using her hacking ability to find the fugitives or whatever that she was looking for right and we know oh I, this is the big part that I missed she um so she was a she is a really good coder but she can't get a job because of an incident that happened in high school, which we learn about mm-hmm. later, which, God, how awful. Like, she did the, uh, she did the right thing, and then better on the butt. now she has a record. Yeah, yeah I know. And, and it was kind of interesting how it's like, I mean, this happens all the time where someone gets a hold of your personal information and publishes it. And, I mean, I thought the way she got, she retaliated was kind of amazing. I agree. You know, like her poor friend who was victimized and then she just stole all of her classmates' most personal information and just published it. And what was the title of it? Oh, I don't remember, but... She published, like, all their information under a... Like, on a website that was, like, Trolls in the Dungeon or something. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, you were a really good friend and... And we find out a little bit later also that... She didn't get caught. She turned herself in because they thought it was the girl right. who was being victimized. They thought yeah. it was Annie. Um, right. So she's got, a, she has a moral code, but it's not the law-abiding moral code, I think, is kind of what we're learning. Right, yeah. right. She would be chaotic good, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about Hideo? I guess we don't know a lot about his backstory yet, but we mm. know he has some kind of dark side or some or some kind of anger or something he's trying yeah. aggression he's working out because we see his bloodied knuckles and then we see this memory where he's working out really aggressively and attacking <laughs> his trainer basically and she's not allowed to ask him any personal questions that's like in the rule book yeah oh i forgot about so, that so and honestly like i'm not even kidding you I don't remember what his backstory is. I know I read this book so long ago. That's why it's kind of fun reading again because I'm just like, oh, Hideo, he's so mysterious and I forget what the mystery is. That is so funny. So I'm, I'm along for the ride for that too. Um, okay. But I want to learn more about him because he's so talented and he created this world that 90% of the population plays mm-hmm. and he's so young. That's the thing. He's 21. So it's like... And he's coming out with all these new technology, like the glasses that now are contact lenses, and he's distributing them for free so everyone can can log into Warcross and play it. And it's kind of like any new advancement, though. There's a good side and a bad side, right? Or like people right. can take advantage of it and use it for evil or whatever. And that's kind of what we're starting to see and why he she hacked into the game and was caught, and he essentially hired her to help him find a different hacker. 
Right, right. And that was, I love that scene where she hacks into the opening ceremony of Warcraft. (laughs) And she's just like, what? I love that moment where she's like, I know I shouldn't try and steal this. What was it, an artifact or a power-up or something? Yeah, a power-up. And she's like, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't. And then she just can't help herself. And she just steals it. (laughs) And then she becomes visible. To be fair, she had a really rough day. And she had $13 in her bank account and was going to be kicked out of her house in two days and, like, was out of options. So that's how desperate she was. But yes. (laughs) And I kind of liked... I kind of liked that with her and her roommate when they were both just so downtrodden and it was just a terrible day and they both just escaped into Warcross and it was it was so real because it's like escapism is such a thing that so many people do in various ways and I thought it was very very real to have these two girls just being like we don't want to deal with our problems right now so we're going to escape and that's what Warcross is and you can imagine people just laying on their couches literally all day. That's why it's 90% of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and people like not living their actual lives because they're living in this virtual reality. Well, especially, I mean, we've seen a few people whose like avatars are really different than their, like that's like a way for them to excel or a way for them to like live out a a life that they can't live physically or whatever. It's kind of interesting. Right, because Asher is... Paralyzed from the waist down. Yep. The team captain is a paraplegic and he um, has his avatar is not. So yeah, it's, it can be a way to... It kind of reminded me of... Have you ever seen the episodes uh, San Perro from Black Mirror? Um, I've seen them all, but I forget which one was which name. Which one? Um, San Junipero was the one where you can upload your consciousness into this oh, um, yeah. San Junipero essentially and you can visit there whenever you want. And then... Like, some people decide to actually end their lives and just store their consciousness permanently in this virtual yeah, world. And I it reminded me that. so much of that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see this world play out even even more. And we've got a lot of cool characters whose backstories we don't know yet. Like, when you were talking about her roommate, I kind of had forgotten about her because we've left her behind. But mm-hmm. I hope we know more about how they ended up together because they had they kind of had a weird dynamic in the little scene we already saw where they didn't really seem close, but she also was kind of looking out for her. And they also, it was sort of the only person we saw her interact with from before her war cross days. So I'm kind of curious if we get more of that backstory or if she comes around later. I don't know, because right now she was, I mean, Emika was just whisked away out of this world, out of her world, out of Manhattan. And now she's in Tokyo, which is also, I'm like really excited about the setting too, because I'm going to Japan in spring. And I can't wait. Oh, you are? I know. And so, like, reading about this is making me very excited. (laughs) I also just love, I love Emika's look. Like, I love how she has this rainbow hair, and she's running around Manhattan on this electric skateboard. Like, the visuals of these characters, it's like you can picture them perfectly right away, and you're just fascinated by them. Yep. It's such a great skill. Yep. I agree. It's very, very cool. So, should we talk about her team at all? Sure. She's on the Phoenix Raiders. Right? Yeah, F- Phoenix Riders. Or Riders. Whoops. Led by Asher Wing. And it's cool to see um, the different positions of the game. Like, because you're learning more about this game as the book goes on. Yep. As they're training for it or as we're seeing pieces of it. Yeah, there's a bunch of different roles. So she's hired as the architect. Mm-hmm. And Roshan is their shield. And Hammy is their thief. And DJ Ren, the other wild card, is their fighter. Yep. And DJ Ren right now seems to have a secret. Right. She thinks so. So, her, so she's trying to locate this hacker for Hideo. That's like her second task. 
her first, well, that's probably her first task. Her second task is to play in the Warcross tournament. But, um, so right now they're, they're calling this hacker zero and Emika thinks mm-hmm. that DJ Ren may be zero, right? Yep. And I just think it's too easy if it's the first person she suspects. So I think there's more to it. But he definitely has secrets because he's got all these shields. His data is a lot harder to hack. And they found something marked with like the dark net. Oh, yeah. I love how there's like the dark web in this book is like there's a a dark world. It's literally called the dark world of Warcross. And it's like a, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like an underground virtual world, really where all this criminal activity takes place. Yeah. Well, this whole thing is kind of cra- like so they have this huge competition annually. They like have these official teams and they get these new players every year and then they mm-hmm. it seems like they have a month to train now, right? In between. So it was like the opening ceremony happened and then there was a week, which was perfect because it gave her time to join the group. And now there's a month for training with the new teams because they all have wild cards on their team or um you know, amateur players, basically. Yeah, I like how they have room for amateurs. They, like, leave slots for mere mortals to play. (laughs) Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's cool because I guess all the different levels are different. So I bet we're going to see a bunch of cool stuff with each of Mm -hmm. the, you know, fights that we witness or whatever. Are they fights? Matches? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, matches. It reminds me of Capture the Flag, kind of. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Because they just have to steal each other's artifacts. Yeah, and protect their own. But even in, like, the training session we saw, there's so many cool things you can do like the power-ups let you fly or like give you super speed or give you a shield and I, I can't wait to see more of it agreed and I can't wait to see how she kind of reveals her background and her skill set because being a hacker a bounty hunter living on her own and trying to make things I bet she's going to have a lot of interesting skills and we've already seen she's like quick on her feet because she hasn't grown up mm-hmm. just playing Warcross against good people so she like understands the game but she also is her experience comes from life instead, sort of. Yeah, and she's very resourceful, too. Yeah. And I think people are picking up on that, because she, I mean... Well, Asher's got a good handle on her a little bit, right? Yeah, because and he picked her first in the war draft, too, mm-hmm. and Hideo did not tell him to do that. So I think a lot of people are very intrigued by her. Yeah. And we learned a little bit more about the their rivals, I guess, are called the Demon Brigade. The Demon mm-hmm. Brigade, Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really want to learn more about them, too, because there's this Tremaine guy who's kind of a jerk. Sounds like they're all kind of jerks on that team, but yes. <laughs> and he's the architect for the demons, so she's going to go up. Emika's going to be going up directly one-on-one against him. Mm-hmm. And then we know he has um, a romantic history with Roshan that didn't end well. And he was on their team. and He was on the Phoenix Fighters yeah. to start with, yes, and then had... There's some kind of uh, romantic history there that may not be fully history because we saw he sent a letter or something. I mean, oh yeah, we're not entirely sure what their stat or like how that ended or what the status is right now. I think. So I'm curious to learn more about that. Yep. And honestly, I'm cur- I, I'm curious to find out who Zero is too because I don't remember that either. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really crap memory when it comes to like remembering details in books. I remember like the stupid stuff. Like, I'll remember that you can water a plant in Antarctica and Legend, but I won't remember, <laughs> like, the important plot twists. That's good, though. It makes it fun to reread it. Yeah, right? it really does. It really does. It makes it hard to uh, wait a year and read the second book, though, without rereading the first one, I would think. <laughs> so this will be good. Uh, I just think this book would make a fantastic movie. Oh, for sure. Like, 
just watching these people play these video games, and we haven't even really been to a tournament yet. It's just even just describing when they when they play the game, or even just the opening ceremonies. It's so cool. Well, even just seeing how the world is. Yeah. I mean, the the interaction between the world and this technology, mm-hmm. which helps create the game, but also we've seen it used in a lot of other different ways, is really impressive and really would be cool to see on screen. It would be funny to see, because you know how like when you see people playing virtual reality games, they're just like waving their hand and there's nothing around them. Like, I wonder <laughs> what the real world looks without contact lenses on. It'd be yeah. really funny to see that. <laughs> yeah, people dodging other people's dragons that aren't really there and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm also kind of curious how real these tournaments get. Because I know that they're, like, playing a game, but I'm not quite clear. Like, can they – do they actually, like, hit each other? Can they get hurt? Or fall, you know? Yeah. I think so because – but I don't think it hurts your actual person. I think it just hurts your avatar. Because even when they were training, Emika and Hammy were, like, throwing themselves at each other. And, like, at one point they, like, punched each other in the face. And it seems like they're av- they're fine. It's just their avatar. Yeah, so gets. is it, like, playing with, like, a controller and your people on the screen are punching each other? Because I sort of got the sense at first that you were, like, doing more. But I guess you're not – like, they weren't actually punching each other. I guess not. But you can feel – like, it feels like you're climbing and it feels like you're – Punching each other. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of curious to see more about that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and if you can't get really hurt or whatever, but and I think we've got some good backstories to figure out more of. So yeah, the romantic history or not so history or whatever. I want to know more about Asher and his brother. Also, you mentioned him mm-hmm. earlier, but they seem to have a strained relationship for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Hideo. What's his deal? Who is he? I want to know if um him and emika will get together because it seems like they're kind of setting that up yeah yeah and he's so reserved right now um but yet he seems to be giving her special attention and so i don't know if it's just because he's very impressed by her her coding abilities and her hacking abilities or if maybe there's something more i'm also kind of curious i forget the name of his like right hand man who like keeps reassuring emika that like Mm -hmm she's doing a good job and stuff I'm kind of curious about him I can't tell if I think he's I think he's more than he seems but I guess he's but I don't know if he's like in a good way or a bad way yet but I think he's going to be a bigger character than he seems right now well if we know Marie Lou we know there's going to be a big twist that's true so I'm like reading this with the anticipation that there will be a big twist I just can't remember what that twist is (laughs) (laughs) once it happens though you'll be like oh yeah (laughs) I did see that coming uh, so, um, when I was doing some research this week, I was really curious about how some other famous games or social media compared to Warcross, because uh-huh. I thought it was interesting that she said 90% of people play Warcross in this world. And so I was like, okay, let's look at the things that we have in our real world and see how that matches up. Yeah. So what'd you find? Okay. So... Right now, there's 2.23 billion people world, worldwide who use Facebook. So that's a quarter of the world's population. Okay. What Do you know what percent of like the U.S. uses Facebook? I could look that up right now. I just think it's funny because um, Chad's not on Facebook. So it's like a quarter of the world's population, but not Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Is Facebook even like the cool thing anymore? Like are kids still getting on Facebook or are we like old people now and... There's some new thing I've never even heard of called, like, Purple Hippo or something that everyone's on. 
Um, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't go on it that much anymore myself. I have, I still have a Facebook, but oh, okay. So sixty-eight percent of Americans use Facebook. Okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. And then it says. 40% of the global population uses at least some form of social media. Okay. Um, 62% of American adults use Twitter, but not us. Not us. <laughs> what is Twitter? Um, I've, do you know how many people have an email? Oh, no. That's a good question. Because then, then I'm like trying to think of ways to like put in perspective just how popular Warcross is. Yeah. And so like when you think of Facebook, you're like, oh, I, I, most people I know are on Facebook. But even then... It's even more popular than that, yeah. Yeah, that's only a quarter of the world's population versus 90%. And again, it's only 10 years old, which I know 10 years is like a really long time sort Mm -hmm. of for like technology in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of crazy to think about like if it can get all the different generations in 10 years also, sort of. Totally, yeah. Um, Okay, so in terms of other popular video games, so Fortnite right now is really big. Um, Interestingly enough... Fortnite has been cited in over 200 divorce proceedings since it came oh out my goodness. in 2017, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, but I guess 125 million people are are playing Fortnite right now. Um, wow. But the number one ranked video game is League of Legends. And in 2018, 80 million people have played it. And 20 million people worldwide play every single day. It's played, wow. by, it's played in over 145 countries. Well, it's interesting, too, because part of the Warcross game is, like, you can make money in the game, Mm -hmm. like, real money, which I'm curious how, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like there's a lot of other video games that really have, like, a monetary value when you're, are there? Am I lying? (laughs) Well, um, no, I mean, not in the real world, but, like, like Farmville and stuff had, you know, online currency that you would spend. But I feel like this is, like, gamification to the extreme. I feel like it gets, like, I'm curious how that changes it. Like, if you can win money by, like, watering a plant. Yeah. and Well, I think it was, like, they said power-ups were worth stuff. And, like, that was stuff you could trade in for, for actual money. I thought you could convert Warcross dollars to actual dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I might have misread something, though, too. It's also funny because as cool as it is and as much as I can picture certain things, there's also this part of me that's like, I don't play video games. And so some of it I'm like, wait, I don't really understand how this works. <laughs> I'm like, I only play Pac-Man. Like, how this is very different from Pac-Man. <laughs> okay, well, I, I actually really got into Farmville when it first came out. And mm-hmm. uh, this is actually a really funny story. So... In my first job out of college, I was a copywriter at an advertising agency, and we were doing a Farmville promotion that I had to write. So my boss, she basically was like, okay, you need to write this promotion, so your job for the day is log into Farmville and just learn Farmville, play Farmville all day, <laughs> which was awesome. Yeah. But the problem was <laughs> when you log into Farmville, you start with a set amount of money, and unbeknownst to me, you are supposed to use that money to buy important things like seeds <laughs> so you can actually grow stuff. But instead, I used all of my money and spent it on a really cool farming outfit. <laughs> and then, and of course, like, I don't know anything about Farmville, so I just used all of my money and picked a really cool, chic outfit. And then I had no money left to buy seeds. <laughs> and I had to go back to my boss and be like, so I think I did this wrong. <laughs> 
I had to like admit to her that I bought a farming outfit and couldn't afford to buy any seeds for my crops and I had to start over. But be like, but it's really cute, so <laughs> worth it. I, I looked, I was a really chic farmer. I didn't make any money or do any farming, but I looked nope. good doing nothing. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So um, I was also looking up, this is one thing that didn't make sense to me. So 90% of people play Warcross, but only 300 million watched the opening ceremonies. And that seemed weird to me because I was looking up things that people watch. Um, uh-huh. And so 33 million people watched the Oscars last year. 3.6 billion people watched the Rio de Janeiro Olympics in 2016. So like that's 3.6 billion people versus 300 million people watching Warcross. And that hmm. just seemed yeah. like weird to me. Yeah. No, I agree. That does sound it's weirder. like the Olympics. Like, I mean, I'm obsessed with the Olympics, but I know many people don't care at all. Um, yeah. Oh, I should, I should have, um, I'm going to look up how many people have watched the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl actually was only watched by 103 million people. But I mean, that's probably just, just in the U S it's only like yeah. popular in the U S too. Yeah. So that was like a disconnect for me. I thought more people would have watched the opening yeah. ceremonies. I think I am so bad at like estimating numbers in my head that sometimes I just take them for granted. Like I'm like, okay, that's a big number. A lot of people do. Th- like I don't really think about, wait, but is that a realistic number or something? Yeah, yeah. I would have thought it would be in the billions. <laughs> well, I'm also curious because if it's all just the same kind of competition or if because it's this whole artificial world, like I could see some people who aren't, playing the game part really but like do other things in the virtual reality worlds that are set up like I'm kind of curious how much is like they're playing like competing with each other Mm -hmm. or because also if 90% of people are doing it how are there like any amateurs like how is there even an amateur people just water plants like like so that's what I'm saying so (laughs) there must be like some non-competition version or like Mm-hmm. It's just like interact because I could see that like it becomes almost a fashion thing. Yeah, too, people just you know buy cool outfits and show off their exotic animals because they said that was something like you can have exotic pet or you can have virtual pets and you can take virtual vacations to like really cool destinations. That part reminded me of like really advanced Tamagotchis or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what happens if you forget to feed your really cool? It probably dragon. doesn't run away. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think there is a huge oh. portion of it where it's like people are logging in and just going on vacation or that's probably what I would do. I mean, really? I mean, I play Pokemon Go and all I do is hatch eggs and collect Pokemon. Like I don't enter tournaments. I don't do anything. I hatch eggs. That's I it. don't even do Pokemon and Go. And I have a really cool avatar. I, my escape is just reading <laughs> books and sometimes watching Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, it's cool. I'm curious to see more of it, but I, yeah, I didn't really think about the numbers, but I agree when you say them like that. First of all, 90% is crazy. That's insane. Especially in 10 years. (laughs) And are there any competitors now? Like, now that this technology is out, how is he still, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to hear more about that. How is he still the only one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe everyone's just too distracted by Warcross to do anything else that's useful in the world. Well, also, 90% 90 of people don't do, like, anything. Like, I'm pretty sure 90% of people don't even, like, like popcorn. Or I don't know. I mean, (laughs) that was a stupid example. But, like. Yeah, it's, like, it's that's an absurd number. Yeah. It's an absurd number. But it it is, but it does make sense that at least it's, um, like, he's giving out these these glasses and stuff for free so you can access it. Yeah. It seems like it's a free thing. 
which makes it more accessible. Well, especially when you think about how much it seems like people are doing a ton of marketing in it also. And like oh, it yeah. seems totally across so many different forms of life at this point. Um, but I am kind of curious, like, what is it like in a third world country or something? Right. In a rural village Or what is somewhere? it like if you if you don't want to be part of it? Like, if you're in the 10% who's just like, I want nothing to do with it, your life would be so lonely, I feel. Well, and you, it kind of seems like there's enough people who just want to be countercultural. Oh, exactly. There has to be, like, a counterculture to it. It must be, I mean, it's that 10%. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm curious. I can't imagine anything that is so alluring that it would attract that many people. Yeah. I guess. Because how many people, well, even like smartphones or something. How many people have smartphones? Ooh, yeah. Let me look that up. <laughs> We're just doing research on the go. <laughs> or even just cell phones. 2.5 billion. So more people have smartphones than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But think about all the people who don't have internet access, you know? Like I know. Still, I mean. Well, and it seems like, because she couldn't really afford the glasses right she had like really old glasses or whatever mm-hmm. so even though he's doing stuff to try to make them more available her life isn't you know people struggling and at that level of poverty it's not like there's more than 10 percent of the world that's living like that i bet yeah yeah but it, but it seems like you don't need they it, like it's a neural link is what they call it so it just interacts with your brain it's not like you need yeah to, that's true which is so Invest interesting in i love how she described that being like we just trick your brain into thinking it's real yeah. Ooh, I want it. I want it. It's kind of scary. Yeah, but I still want it. <laughs> <laughs> but I want it. I still want to try it. <laughs> so what did you research about bounty hunters? Okay, so I just, I feel like it was a really cool backstory. And since we were sort of going into this war cross world, I didn't know how relevant it would be later on. So I decided to research it now. So I was sort of like, what is a bounty hunter actually do? Like, I know it, mm-hmm. I have this idea in my head, but I didn't know how accurate it was. So... Of like the wild, wild west, yeah. Do you know when bounty hunting began? Oh, let me guess. Okay. Um, 10,000 BC. Well, it was back in the 13th century that it okay. really began. And it was in okay. England. And this was back when bail wasn't an amount of money, but it was just a person. So if someone was accused of a crime, there would be an individual who was assigned their like custodian. And if the accused did not return to face the penalty, then the custodian could be, like, hung in their place. Whoa. So instead of, like, letting someone off on bail, like, in terms of money, they were like, this person is also... Going to get killed. Yes. And they would pick someone who was close to you? It's like, to act as a deterrent? I guess so. Or someone who was just, like, (laughs) or was that the original bounty hunter? they'd have to. Yeah, like, who would care if it was just, like, that guy down the street who whatever. Yeah. Oh, but was that the original bounty hunter said so that person would go after you? So that person would make sure you showed up, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. And if you ran away, they would hunt you down. Yeah. Ooh. So the Habeas Corpus Act in 1679 was passed by the British Parliament, and that's the first time that an accused person could be released from prison on monetary bail. Okay. So the U.S. copied a lot of things from England, and there's a lot of different laws about bail for different states so you can like do things a little bit differently in different places in the u.s which is also kind of interesting so it's not like across the board if you're Mm -hmm. a bounty hunter your job is the same like you need different certification in different places in some places you don't need a search warrant to go into a fugitive's place of residence they have different rules about you know carrying weapons or if you can be charged if you hurt the person that you're like there's just like so it's kind of interesting there's like all these different rules based on where you 
where you are. Right? Mm. But every year, close to 2 million alleged criminals are released pre-trial. And so okay. that's like three in five felony defendants in the 75 largest counties in the nation. So like they're released on bail? Yep. Gotcha. So if, if you're considered too dangerous to be released on bail, you, you won't. They won't set bail for you. So a lot of like really violent criminals or whatever won't. But one year later, 6% of all felony defendants were fugitives. So 25% of those who, wait, or 25 of those who failed to appear in court were fugitives. That doesn't make sense. Isn't everyone who fails to appear in court a fugitive? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, I might not be reading that part right. Where did but, you do uh, your research? The dark, the dark world? This is on criminaljusticedegreehub.com. <laughs> And it's I got a bunch of cool, like, info, um, what are they called? Infographics. Mm. So this says that bounty hunters find 97% of all fugitives they pursue. Wow, that's a crazy success rate. So it's, like, a relatively effective amount. Yeah, so the police, like, usually don't have the ability to go after everyone who escapes, but... Um, that's how it works in this world. With different bounty hunters, a lot of people are able to catch them. So who can be a bounty hunter? Can I be a bounty hunter? Well, where do you... I didn't really look up Illinois. I looked up Arizona a little bit because I was kind of intrigued, but it seemed like a lot of work. I think if you've had law enforcement background or, or something, it's usually pretty easy, but otherwise you might have to go to a class or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, you typically work for a bail bonder. Oh, okay. So you're part of the government. You're not like this lawless person who's just going around capturing people. No, it seems like it's kind of hard to like get into it a little bit if you don't know somebody because so their official name it's not actually bounty hunter it's usually bail recovery agent basically the bail bondsmen are the ones who will post bail and if the person doesn't show up they have to pay it so they'll offer part of the bail to a kind of group of agents that they trust usually so it's sort of like you need to get in with one of these bail bondsmen if you want to be successful but some people make like a hundred thousand dollars a year doing this or, or more wow. you know like if you're really good at it you you can do it full time I wonder if it's as kind of crazy and scary as it was in this book when she's like tracking down the that guy in the beginning and she has like a stun gun and she has handcuffs and she's like physically jumping on him to bring him in so there's some different you know laws about stuff so I kind of looked at some interesting mm. stories from the past because I wanted some you know crazy old time stories so have you ever heard of John of the Priests no so this is back in the 1700s in Ireland, I think it was. Oh, I love it already. And he was a horse thief, and he was arrested and sentenced to death. Oh my God, for stealing a horse? I guess so. Back in 1690 or 1700 or whenever it was. Um, but the grand jury was like, hey, you're no good. Let's make a deal with you. If you become a priest hunter, we won't hang you. Why are they hunting priests? So in 1709, there was this, the penal act demanded that Catholic priests take the oath of abjuration and recognize the Protestant Queen Anne as the head of, you know, the Church of England and whatnot. Um, and if you refused, then you could be sentenced to death. Whoa, uh. So this guy, he just started hunting clergy and he would get like a lot of money for different. So he'd get like, um, I don't actually know what the amount was. At the time, I mean, like mm -hmm. comparatively, but like, you know, he get a little bit for a priest in training and a lot more for a priest and even more for an archbishop or bishop. <laughs> like their denominations, like he would yeah. get more depending on what they were. That's great. <laughs> but so he used to pretend to be sick or close to death and he'd call for a priest to confess his sins to. <laughs> for last rites. And when the priest would arrive, he'd have a knife hidden under his bed oh and he'd God. attempt to capture or kill them. 
And so people like hated this guy, right? He murdered all of these priests in the area. So he killed like all of these priests except for two. Oh no. And why didn't he just bring them in? Isn't that the whole point of a bounty hunter? Or was it like dead or alive? So I don't know if, if he like if he was the one who would be like, well, do you renounce the church? And if they said no, if he was allowed to kill them or what? So I don't really know how this came about. But he obviously was not very popular. And so there's only two priests left in this area. Oh, and, my God. Um, they knew who he was. And so they like lived in disguise to try to avoid him. And he couldn't <sighs> get away with his like last rights act anymore. So he figured out who one of them was and killed him. And he thought that the last priest would come to the funeral. So the last the last priest did come to the funeral dressed as a woman to hide his identity. <laughs> this and is an insane um, story. This, this guy recognized him and attacked him, but he wasn't just pretending to be a sick dying person. So this priest was like ready for it and fought back. And a homeless man eventually stabbed him. Not the priest, Go stabbed the priest man. killer, stabbed John oh my God. of the priests, or whatever his name is, John Maloney. Um, so this homeless man stabbed him and killed him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this is like, I didn't even know that we used to kill priests in Ireland. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Me either. So I thought that one was kind of interesting. And then um, this one was probably less exciting, but more recent. So in 1969, um, there was this woman, Domino Harvey, who became a bounty hunter. And what's kind of interesting about her, well, first of all, she was in a movie that I've never heard of called Domino that Kira Knightley played her. Or she wasn't in a movie. There was a movie based on her life, loosely, that Kira Knightley starred in. But I've never heard of it, so I didn't know anything about her. Um, but she came from, like, a well-to-do background. So she was the daughter of uh, an actor, Lawrence Harvey, and a fashion model, Pauline Stone. And she, like, basically didn't need to do this for money or anything. She just found it, like, really thrilling. And so she, like, had kind of a team that she worked with. Sorry, my dog is biting my hand for no reason. Toby. Oh, no, Toby. No biting. Can you go get a toy? Go get a toy. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so she, so she like, dropped out of school and, like, tried to model and didn't really like it. And she was, like, moving around. And she became a DJ for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she was a volunteer firefighter. And she... Um, wanted to join the Los Angeles Fire Department and didn't get in, so she took this bail recovery agent class and started bounty hunting. Oh, I want to see this movie now. So she had kind of like two other buddies that she worked with, and she primarily went after drug dealers and thieves, but um, occasionally a murderer. And yeah, like she just like enjoyed it, even though she didn't really need to do anything for money, Um, but she eventually died of a drug overdose. Oh, no. Was she, like, one of the first female bounty hunters? Yeah, so it was kind of rare that she was a female and kind of rare that she didn't really have, like, a background that would, you know, she wasn't, like, a law enforcement agent and still went into this. That is interesting. I don't think it would be for me, personally. (laughs) It sounds pretty scary. It sounds like it's pretty boring, actually. Like, for the most... So, because a lot of people aren't violent criminals, so I was reading a lot about how, like, usually you don't have any physical altercation. People might try to Mm -hmm. run, but they usually won't fight back, especially if you've, like, found them. Cornered them, yeah. Um, Okay. But there were some interesting stories also about, like, uh, international law. So, in Canada, bounty hunting is illegal. And this one guy, I can't find his name right now, but um, he, like, found a fugitive that had gone to Canada... And brought him back to Florida and received his prize or whatever. And Canada accused him of kidnapping. Oh, man. Because. Yeah, you can't do that. That's crazy, though. 
Well, I mean, looking at the stuff that she's doing, that Emika's doing in this book, where she's like, so she uncovered this secret meeting place, the Pirate's Den, where she's going to go meet DJ Ren. And I'm a little nervous for her. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see this dark virtual world of the interweb where she's going to be looking for this hacker and like essentially doing a bounty hunt for him. Agreed. And I, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, the further up you get into organized crime, mm-hmm. the worse, too. Like, I think a lot of these people are like, you they're know. They're gamblers. They're illegal gamblers. Domestic abusers yeah. or gamblers or, you know, something like that where they are still bad people, but they're not like super smart and well organized and whatever. So it'll be interesting as she gets into more of the like organized crime, too. They did say um, gambling on Warcross is illegal. That's true. So that's like who she's trying to catch, really. Yeah. Whew. I'm really excited to finish the second half of this book. I am too. And I'm excited to see what twist awaits us. I want more Hideo. More Hideo all the time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious about him. I like him. I wish he was a, a player, though, in the games. Like, I want to see what he can do. I wish he wasn't just the mastermind. No, I kind of like that he's not because especially I sort of feel like you need someone who, like, because everyone's so addicted to these games, sort of. Like, it's sort of just like this weird, I don't know. I kind of like that he's built it he cre- he's god really yeah he built it and he's just watching from above and it's, it was interesting to see him in the world right and he could like go behind the scenes and stuff it was kind of a cool visual to think about hacking the way they were describing it it sounded way more fun than like the computer coding i used to do oh yeah like the onion the, the where like the more yeah. you try to hack into it the more layers it would build to protect itself and it just felt so much more visual and like interactive and like you know, it felt like she was, like, studying the code, and I was, like, imagining, like, a puzzle. Or, you know, I was imagining kind of like how they described the spot the difference in the pictures type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just seemed way more fun than um, what I remember was staring at a bunch of lines of code and trying to find which yeah. semicolon I forgot to type in or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they do make it sound a lot more interesting. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to read more. And I want to hear more about all of the players and I'm curious if we meet because we've only really seen her team and a little bit of the second team that's another reason why I I don't think DJ Ren should be zero or is zero because Mm. what are the odds that her and the other newbie on the same team are the other wild card yeah yeah yeah. and also he's just the first person she suspected exactly right who do you think it could be then I don't know maybe there is no zero Maybe... Maybe it's Hideo. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe it's... Yeah. Maybe it's... I don't know. Or, or I think it might be someone we don't really know at all yet. Yeah, I wonder if it's someone we know yet. That's the thing. It could be... I can't even remember. Who's Hideo's right-hand man again? His coordinator. Yeah. COO guy or whatever. Uh, Yes, I know who you're talking about, and I didn't write down his name because I didn't think he would be important. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's why I feel like he's showed up a lot, but he hasn't seemed important yet. So I feel like he's either got to be a good guy or a bad or a really bad guy. But I feel like he's more important than he seems so far. But we'll see. We will see. I don't even remember like half the other people that Ziggy or whatever from the beginning. I mean, from the draft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know, there was like that German girl or was that the German girl? I don't even remember. Maybe they'll come back into play. I mean, hopefully they'll beat the Demon Brigade and... We'll have another team to. Yeah, because there are many other teams. So, and I'm sure they'll yeah. be paired up against more than just the Demon Brigade. So, I would think so. All right, let's finish the book. Cool. Let's see how it goes. Let's go train. Let's go log into Warcraft. <laughs> Slash finish the book. <laughs> um. Okay. So we'll think of our favorite scene next week after we've read the book. This whole thing would be so cool already to watch. No, I. All of the scenes are my favorite. 
I don't even know what I would pick. Even like the uh, the DJ, even the party. Oh, yeah. Which that wasn't was even cool. like part of the game, but I was like, this seems like a pretty cool party. <laughs> I want to know what the fashions are like. I know. I hope they do more about that. I'm sure they're amazing. I just saw Crazy crazy Rich Asians yesterday, and the fashions were just so beautiful. Oh, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I did read the book finally, so I can go. Oh, it's so good. I loved it so much. Cool, cool. Did you read the book, too? I did, yeah. Okay. And the movie did a really good job of turning the book into a movie. Like, good. a really, really good job. Awesome. I'll Highly recommend. Next time I have free time, I'll have to go check that out. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think it's my turn to tell you a joke today. Please do. Okay. I, <laughs> I have a real dumb one. Oh, good. I'm excited. I should have looked at video game jokes. What's wrong with me? That would have been We've smart. We've got three more weeks. It's all good. Okay. Um, what do you call an illegally parked frog? Frog? Uh-huh. Like a ribbit frog? Yep. Um, mm, I, I don't know. What do you call it? Toad. <laughs> 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 so dumb but it made me laugh <laughs> oh that's good that's that's a good one. Oh, that's funny thank you well if you guys want to get in touch with us you can send us an email at mnktalkya at gmail.com yep we're also on instagram and facebook at mnktalkya oh yeah i guess that helps <laughs> go find us you can hack us and find out where we are on social media don't hack into our accounts please <laughs> just send us emails we'll respond yeah we have onion firewalls protecting all of our personal information (laughs) that seems like something we would know how to do but we're not on twitter we're counterculture (laughs) Uh, all right go bye (laughs) bookworms what now i almost stole your line (laughs) bye bookworms go get a library card oh man we need to work on our (laughs) sign-offs M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.